All right. Good morning. Welcome to Christ Church. I'll invite you to find a seat. Good morning. Thanks for being here at Christ Church. Church about lifting lives, elevating Christ to church for those who aren't here yet. Uh, if you are new to Christ Church, glad to have you here in the East Auditorium. Maybe you're joining us in the West Auditorium. Thanks for joining us and being here. Perhaps you're joining us online as well. We want to just say thanks for being part of Christ Church this morning. We are starting a new sermon series as a Christian church, as, as Christ Church, uh, that is called Stargazer, and it's going to be grounded around a specific character, the character of Abraham. It's going to take us up to and including Easter. Christians for, for centuries, for generation after generation, have handed down this Christian tradition leading up to Easter, something that we refer to as Lent. Lent is this time where Christians often have a special measure of devotion and focus in their Christian faith. Sometimes this means extra measures and time in God's Word, the Bible, or perhaps it's in prayer, or whatever it might be. The idea is that as Christians, we take this time very seriously to prepare our hearts and our minds and our thoughts related to what is out in front of us on Easter Sunday. To help us as a church body walk up until Easter, we are going to be focusing our time and our attention uh, with a specific biblical character who has a significant reputation in the Christian community. His name is Abraham. Abraham, first off, how many of you have heard of Abraham before? Many of you have heard? Good. There, Father Abraham. Do you know the song? Father Abraham had many sons. Many sons had Father Abraham, I am one of them, and so are you, so let's all praise the Lord. It was super loud in East West, just so you know. Good, awesome. Abraham, he's this great character. Thank you for indulging in my childhood nostalgia there. Thank you. Uh, Abraham's an incredible character who actually has such significant reputation that his reputation spans beyond the Christian tradition and includes as well having a really prominent place within the Jewish tradition and even the Islamic faith. Abraham is this complex figure that we find in the Jewish narrative and therefore in the Christian scriptures. He's someone that we can learn from. And in order to learn from, we should learn about his life, his stories, his experiences. And so over the next couple weeks, that's what we're going to do is learn about Abraham. And in doing so, hopefully learn from Abraham. And even more importantly, learn about Abraham's God. Now, to get to know Abraham, we have to go to the very first book of the Bible. The book of Genesis is where Abraham appears. And it may surprise you, but we actually don't get to know Abraham upright, up front. But in fact, we get to know his family before we get introduced to him. The, the narrative focuses on him, but only after we get introduced to the rest. Uh, we find this in Genesis chapter 11, verse 31. It's, this is the very first time that we meet Abraham. And even more complexly, uh, Abraham's name is Abram at this point in time in the story. Abraham goes through a name change, as does his wife, Sarah. Before she's Sarah, she's known as Sarai. We're going to study that in the weeks to come. But at this point in time, it's all the same character in his name is Abram. One day, Terah took his son Abram, his daughter-in-law Sarai, his son Abram's wife, and his grandson Lot, his son Haran's child, and he moved them away from the Ur of the Chaldeans. Okay, what's going on there? Well, a couple things. First off, we have our character of Abram, and we have Abram's father, Terah. 
And Terah is one of those nomadic Middle Eastern peoples who, who has settled himself and is living currently in a city called Ur of the Chaldeans. Chaldeans is a reference that we find in the Bible. We find it beyond and outside the Bible as well to the Babylonian Empire. You might have read about the Babylonians in high school history or something like that, but they feature very prominently in the Christian scriptures, the Babylonians. And before they were known as Babylonians, they were known as Chaldeans. And so there is a specific city that we can find. I have a map for you. You love maps. Here's a map for you this morning. And so here, here you'll find the Middle East. This is the ancient Middle East. And uh, here on the one side, you can find the Mediterranean Sea. This is the Mediterranean Sea. Up here would be what we consider a modern-day Turkey, back then Cappadocia kind of area. And then uh, you get the top of the Arabian Peninsula here. So sand, lots of sand here. You move, move further over and you get the city of Ur that's located alongside the rivers in the region. Now, rivers were par particularly important in the, in the ancient world because most commerce, uh, most demographic um, uh, geography revolved around uh, water sources, particularly in the Middle East. This is where people lived. The idea here being that when the rainy season would come, the rivers would overflow the banks and, and they would saturate the soil and this is where you would get a fertile, uh, fertile soil from is, is in between and around these rivers. And these are famous rivers. They, they, they exist to this very day, Euphrates and the, and the Tigris. And this is often referred to as the Mesopotamian bowl, uh, very fertile, fertile crescent. Some of these names you might have heard before. And, and Abram's father, Terah, and Abram's family live in this area. And part of the reason why the Babylonian Empire will become so big and so massive is because they have access to and they will actually track along these rivers. You see, back in that time, if you were to travel, you would travel along the rivers because they were your source of water. You would not cut across the sand. Well, this is the case as it relates to Terah and Abram. Terah has it in his head that he wants to move. He has a sense of calling, he has a desire, and he actually has a destination. If we go to the next verse in Genesis 11, we find out that he's headed for the land of Canaan. Terah wants to take his family, strap on the sandals, pack up the camels, and head to Canaan. Now, Canaan would have been located in what we refer to as modern-day Israel or modern-day Palestine and would have been along this Mediterranean coast, and it's a small region right around here. This is where Canaan is. But because uh, Terah isn't going to cross the sandy desert where there's no water and no food and no people, he instead is going to follow the, the, the rivers heading north, coming up and over, and when he hits kind of the point of the Mediterranean Sea, he's going to hang a left, Keep the sea on his one side and head down to Canaan. This is how you would get to where he wanted to go. But in Terah's case, he packs up his family and he starts his trip with his destination in mind, but he never reaches it. He has a pit stop along the way in a place called Haran. It's a geographic region as well as a city. And the Bible tells us that, well, Terah was headed for the land of Canaan, but they stopped at Haran. They not only stopped there, pulled up the camels and unhitched them, they ended up settling there. And in fact, having made this their new home, Terah lives out the rest of his life. And he dies in Haran. 
I mean, think about this for a moment. He's got a goal in mind, a destination. He's packing the family up, and he's going to move them to a better place, a better life. It's out in Canaan, and he gets moving, and he gets moving, and he stops. And he begins to acclimate himself and settle in, eventually to the point where he never actually gets going again. He stopped, he settled, and then he dies. Not where he wanted to be, not where he dreamed of going, not where his destination was, but he dies in a pit stop along the way. Kind of harsh, isn't it, when you think about it? I mean, as I sat down and I began to read the story and as I began to reacclimate myself with these characters and began to get to know Tara again and get to know Abraham again and get to know them, I, I, I was struck by how quickly I was to criticize the reality that Tara compromised on his dreams and his goals. He gave up. Like, I get it. He got tired. He got worn out. It's a long way. We're talking hundreds of miles. Lugging the family. Abram in the back seat. Are we there yet? I mean, that's exhausting. And Tara peters out and gives up on what he thought was possible and hoped and dreamed for and settles in her arms. And I realized that in my own reading and own criticism of Tara, I did something very dangerous that the Bible has a habit of doing. It helps us look inside ourselves too. And as I was reading and as I was thinking, I realized that I felt myself being asked the question and I came to the realization that so, if this was Tara's story, is this my story too? I mean, how often do I settle in Haran? How often do I have hopes, dreams, aspirations for my life, my sense of purpose and my future and that of my family and what could be possible, particularly as a Christian person? For me, I dream these big godly dreams, right? And, and yet, yet I get tired, I get burned out, I get overwhelmed, I get exhausted. And sometimes I compromise on my dreams. I settle. And I don't make it all the way to where I hoped my life would be. We do this in our marriages. We start off doing all the cute, fun things, and then somewhere along the way, we get tired, we get burned out, we got kids and a mortgage, and we stop doing the fun, cute things. And sadly, we settle for a mediocre marriage. We, we do this with our kids. We're going to be the best parents. We're going to be there for them. We're going to listen to them. We're going to empathize with them. We're going to raise them. We're going to release them out into the world. And then they become teenagers and we're like, this is too hard. <laughs> and, and we stop listening. But we keep scolding. And we settle 
in regards to what we hope for and aspire in relation to our parenting. We do this in our work. We do this in our health, our mental health, our emotional health, our spiritual health. We have big, great dreams of what could be possible to be a truly healthy person, and yet we sometimes settle in Haran. And if I'm brutally honest, for those of us who ascribe to the Christian faith, sometimes we settle in Haran in our spiritual lives. We're not as generous as we could be. We're not as kind as we could be. We don't steep ourselves in the Scriptures the way that we would hope to be. We don't pray as regularly in some of those disciplines and some of those habits and some of those character traits. The character traits that we desire to be part of our lives, we just kind of settle. Too often, we're like Tara, and we settle in Haran. And we give up. It's at this point in time that you say this is the most inspirational sermon you've ever heard. But Abraham is stuck in Haran with his dad. He's twiddling his thumbs. And we know what that's like to be stuck in life. Overwhelmed, frustrated, and to compromise. The question then becomes, what now? What next? Is there any hope? Or do we just live out our days? Boring in Haran. Is that all that life's up for and meant for? It's going to take something bigger than me to get me back on track. It's going to take something stronger, bigger, more powerful that can somehow pull me out of these habits that so often I slip into, to pull me out and shake me up, to remind me that my life, your life, Abram's life was meant for more than just Haran. It's going to take something bigger and greater than me to overcome the, the, the voices in Haran that it's so easy to assimilate to and the values that Haran brings and the, the norms that Haran seems to encroach deeper and deeper into my life where I get used to living there, acclimated. I assimilate to those cultural values, those cultural norms, and I settle for a mediocre life. It's going to take something bigger than those voices to, to reach down and to speak Speak to me and speak to Abram and speak to you and pull you out of there. It's going to take, well, it's going to take a God. It's going to take God to show up in Abram's life and in your life and remind you that your life matters. Your dreams, your character, your marriages, your parenting, your work and vocation, your future matters. And you say, not me. God's not going to do that for me. Why would God do that for me? I mean, why would he do it for Abram? Why is Abram so special? 
I mean, Abram clearly uh, doesn't have it all together because he couldn't even, him and his family, I mean, talking about coming from bad stock, he doesn't even make it to the promised land. He doesn't make it to Canaan. What's special about Abraham? He hasn't made it anywhere special other than a mediocre waypoint on the way to his family dreams. You're telling me God's going to call Abram? You're telling me God's going to call me? Yes. God specializes in calling not the people that have arrived, but God specializes in calling the people not there yet. Abram's God, your God, specializes in coming to you and calling you and claiming you with your messiness and your brokenness when you feel hurt, when you feel overwhelmed, when you feel like you just want to give up. He specializes in calling not the people that have it all together, not the people that are perfect, not the people that have it all figured out and have arrived, but God specializes in calling people who are broken and hurting and stuck in her that's exactly the people he calls. He calls them to the promised land. We see this later on in the life of Jesus Christ, in fact. Jesus will go to a bunch of fishermen. Fishermen! And he's going to call them out of their mediocre, mundane existence and say, guys, I got big plans. I got big purposes. And through you, through your life, you will achieve and accomplish more than you could ever dream or imagine through you. I'm going to change the shape and the face of this world. Don't settle in a mediocre, whatever kind of life. I got plans for you. In fact, in Luke chapter 5, Jesus will say, hey, I come to to, to be a doctor not for the people who are healthy. Healthy people don't need a doctor. I came for sick people. He says, I have come not to call the righteous, but the sinner. The people who don't have it together. The people who are stuck in complacency and boredom and slipped into bad habits and don't have it together, haven't arrived there yet. Those are my people. Those are the people that I call, that I have purposes and intentions for. The Abrams of the world who are languishing in Haran and haven't made it there yet. Those people. You people. You are precisely the people God calls. In fact, the disciples who are following Jesus will have this weird, crazy experience where Jesus actually dies and then he's resurrected and, 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 and they're very confused and they're very overwhelmed and they don't know what the future has in store for them. And Jesus is doing this weird disappearing act and there's just some really funky stuff happening post-resurrection. And the disciples don't get it. The disciples are overwhelmed by all this. And they're like, hey, let's go back to the fishing for fish thing because we at least could do that 
And they slip back into that old habit and they get ready to settle down and settle into that old way of living, settling in Haran. And you know what happens? Jesus shows up, comes walking along the shoreline, and he calls to them. And he reminds them. And he says, look, no. You're not meant to fish for fish. My plans and my purposes for your life are for you to fish for people and change this world. As it was with Jesus and his disciples, so it is with God and Abram. God comes to Abram, stuck in Haran, not there yet. And he calls him to plans and purposes and promises that God had designed and intended since the beginning and foundations of the earth to redeem and heal and bring hope says this in the text. The Lord comes to and says to Abraham, it's time to leave. You've gotten comfy. You've gotten complacent. You're used to where you're living, but I got more in store for you, Abram. Time to leave. You've got to leave your own country. You've got to even leave your relatives. You've got to leave your father's family. If Tara is, is happy being complacent and settled in that kind of life, that's not going to cut it. I have more in store for you, Abram. And so you've got to leave that old identity. You've got to leave that old life, and you've got to begin to go to the land that I'm going to show you, a land that I am promising you a land that I am preparing you for and, and I will make you a great nation. I'm, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to make you famous. You're going to be a blessing to others along the way and well on into the future, Abraham. I'm going to bless those who bless you. I'm going to curse those who treat you with contempt. And then eventually, not just some, but in fact all families in the entire earth are going to be blessed, Abram, through you. Abram, I have plans. I have purposes for you. I have dreams for you and your life. And it ain't settling in Haran. It's becoming and living into the person that God dreamed Abram could be. Abram, you were never meant for Haran. You were meant for so much more. The same is true for you. You were never meant for Haran. Never meant to settle and live a mediocre life. God has dreams for you. Hopes for you. He has plans and he has purposes and he has promises for you and for your life, for your marriages, for your parenting, 
for your vocation and your work, for the relationships and friendships that you have, for your health and for your well-being mentally, emotionally, physically, spiritually. God has great and wonderful things in store for you. And he is calling you, beckoning you, just as he did to Abram. He is trying to pull you out and set you on a journey a faithful journey that ends in the promised land. Make no mistake, you are purposed for the significance of God's promises unleashed in this world for your life and through your life. God can and will do incredible, amazing things. Your life matters. So church, don't settle in Haran. Don't settle for Haran. Instead, pursue the calling and the life that the God of the universe has set out before you. Now, I'm not saying that this will be easy. I'm not saying that this is going to be simple. I'm not saying that there won't be challenges. If you're a Christian person, you know that that's actually promised us. That's part of the gig. Difficulty and challenge. We call it the way of the cross. Do you think Abram didn't face challenges, though? Do you think Abram always had it easy? You think it was easy packing up his wife, Sarah, strapping on the sandals, getting on the camel, and, and leaving the comforts and the, and the ease and the acclamation of Haran and, and moving towards something new and different and unknown that he was just willing to be faithful, putting one foot in front of the other? You think that was easy? Abram got sand in places you don't even know about. It's hard. But it is worth it. It is worth pursuing the faithful life that God has called you to and becoming the person God designed and desires you to be. So Abram departed. He got up and he headed for the land of Canaan. He began the faithful journey to discover the promised land and through his life and through his story God would change and influence and bless our lives to this very day. In the same way, you have been called 
you have been chosen to be faithful and embark on a journey of faith. For us as Christian people, the reason why Lent is so very important is because it is a microcosm. It is a small picture of that Christian journey. A journey where we learn and grow and seek to be faithful even as we discover more and more how our God is faithful to us. And the climaxes and the death and resurrection of Jesus, just as one day our faithful journey will climax as well in our own death and our own resurrection. And in that day, you will have arrived at the promised land. Until then, we are simply faithful. Would you please pray with me? Gracious God, we worship you and praise you this morning that you are good and great. You are kind. And you have looked upon us in our messiness and our brokenness. In the reality that we have not arrived yet. We are imperfect people who too often settle in our lives in so many different ways. We confess that to you and and ask in your grace and in your mercy that you would remind us this morning, that you would impart upon us the strength of your call to be a part of your plans, your purposes. You have chosen and claimed us, called us just as you did Abram so long ago. We ask and pray for the strength, the tenacity, the self-discipline, the willingness to embark on that faithful journey. To be a people of faith. We don't have it figured out, but we are setting our eyes upon your promises and we are striving forward, fighting for every step so as to be faithful to your call. We pray that in doing so, you would increasingly reveal your faithfulness, your grace, your goodness to us. Thank you that we get a glimpse of that grace as we remember your call upon us, your people, this morning. Thank you for Abram. As we learn from him, we ask and pray that you would teach us and grow us, nourish us, and bring us to Easter Sunday where we can indeed celebrate the fullness of your promises for us. Jesus, we ask and we pray this all in your precious name.